Hey guys, welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Uh, sorry for the delay. I've been on tour. I recorded this the day before I left, and we've just had a super crazy busy schedule um, somewhere outside of D.C. right now. Um, anyway, today on the podcast, we have Aaron Alexander, author of The Align Method and host of the uh, Align Podcast. Aaron's knowledge of, of body movement and... Um, the physical science of the human body is is second to none. He's he's been on, you know, huge news networks. Uh, he's amazing, amazing guy. I've had the pleasure of hanging out with him uh, a handful of times, and he's just crazy intelligent. And not just intelligent in this field, just in general, real deep cat. So I figured if I had him on the podcast, that we would talk a little bit about, you know, spiritual shit and and the stuff that we dive into. But the main focus would be. Uh, you know, mobility training and, and healing the body and, you know, athletics as it were. Um, but that wasn't really what happened. Aaron and I kind of deep dove and it kind of felt like a therapy session to me. It was pretty weird. Um, overshare a bit. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite podcasts I think I've ever done. Um, I would be lying if I said there wasn't a little hesitancy in me releasing it just because I, I really kind of overshared, but, um, yeah, we'll just get right into it, um, as always, this podcast and every other podcast put out by me, every single episode of the Satsung Podcast is brought to you by Onnit, um, if you head to onnit.com and use code Satsung, at dis- you're gonna get a discount, uh, at checkout, um, out here on the road, the kind of mainstays aside from the total human, which I take whether I'm on the road or home, um, the individual packets of Vibratech and ShroomTech. Uh, I take them every day. After every show, I try to meet everybody or as many people as I can after a show and sign stuff and take pictures. Um, so I'm just exposing myself to a petri dish of different viruses and bugs all over the country. So. Um, I take those every single day on the road. They're absolutely delicious, especially when you mix them together. My favorite is the uh, hibiscus raspberry. Um, the Shroom Tech packets also have a full serving of green vegetables in them. So great for the immune system. There's some amazing mushrooms in there as well. Um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of in that weird season where you think cold season's over and then you get smacked in the face. So don't get smacked in the face. Hedonid.com. Keep your immune system on lock. Um, and again, use code Satsung. You're going to get a discount. All right, without further ado, my brother, Aaron Alexander. Aaron Alexander, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, dude. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks for, thanks for making this happen. Yeah, man. I'm excited to chat with you. It's been a minute since I've seen you. I don't think we... Uh, I think you were out of town last time I was down there. Mm, not this time. Not this time. What do you, uh, what have you been up to? Well, you know, I, um, what have I been up to? The thing that I'm most interested, excited about right now, which I don't know if it'd be that relevant to anybody, but is we are reconfiguring the whole back end of all of my like online reality. So online programs and subscriptions and just organizing everything. I've been building up my, my online ecosystem for pretty much like the last seven years and hired a person that he's just phenomenal and going through and taking everything down and rebuilding everything from a new. And in that experience, something that I'm noticing and appreciating is it's changing the way that I feel as a person. 
you know, because like my that imprint in the world, that digital imprint, or like my you know my my business, my career, that's an extension of me. And when I feel some level of um, I don't know, like chaos or just like a, a lack of kind of tangible, you know, I can't like hold it because it's kind of too aqueous and all over the place. To be able Great to structure word. every square centimeter of it you know we're making a we have like a like an operating manual like anything that gets done within the aligned ecosystem is written down to the t so that someone else would be able to execute on that and what that does is it creates that accountability of like okay how how what are we doing exactly and how do we do this exactly and when you write something down like that it, it creates the potential for you to start to clean it up so that's something I'm noticing is, is like surprisingly impactful and perhaps relatable to other people. Yeah. Let me ask you this while you're in that process of just kind of like, I mean, dude, seven years, that's a shitload of content. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, two, two questions, I guess. Do you ever worry about um, having that many thoughts and stuff in the ether? And it, have you ever like more of it just circling back, you know, like one thing that happens to me, is people will be like, um, you know, if I share an opinion, God forbid, or something like that, someone will be like, yeah, well, in this song, you said this. I was like, yeah, dude, but I also wrote that shit when I was 22, and now I'm a 35-year-old man, so. Yeah. Um, do you ever, is it weird for you to, to know that you have seven years of content and thoughts and stuff out there? Whoever, have, no. Is that weird? No? No, no. I, I, I think that if the 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 liberal mob comes to try and take you down because you know you talked about whatever you said the word <laughs> retarded or something at some total. point six years ago total, yeah um you know that's like i i think it, it it's it's like so be it in a way yeah you know yeah I, it's I, I, it's, I, it's weird <laughs> aubrey aubrey and i were just having a conversation on the phone the other day where he goes dude, do you think you could handle being canceled? And I was like, spiritually and emotionally, absolutely. Uh, financially, no. And he was like, see, man, I'm the exact opposite. Financially, I'd be fine. But spiritually and mentally, I don't know. Um, I, think it's, I think it's important, especially now more than ever. Uh, I was saying this in the beginning of the lockdowns. I don't call it the pandemic. I call it the lockdowns. Not that it was or was not a pandemic. I just think lockdowns is, is, is more descriptive. Total. Um, um, but in the beginning of that, I was very, it, I was made aware <clears throat> that it's important to have your foot in multiple different mediums in order mm -hmm. to create value and also, you know, ultimately, you know, create income. And so part of that is the, the internet ecosystem. It's like your avatar on the internet. And then the other part is actually having like a, a real skill that you can, provide to your community that actually matters and some people do not have both of those and if you do not have both of those it's inherently a, a, a highly vulnerable position to be in and so now with all the stuff with like you know the potential threat of of world wars and things of the sort um, i think it's more important than ever to have a a the, the actual brick and mortar hands-on, you know, I can come to my neighbor's house and help them out with a thing skill. Yes. Whereas in the beginning, in the beginning of the lockdowns, it was like, Oh man, you need to have an internet skill. 
total. And but now there's this place where it's like, oh, like, will the internet exist in six months? Like, is there going to be some tomfoolery <laughs> that goes on here? Like, I don't know. Like, what do we do then? What happens if your credit card gets shut down? Or your bank account gets shut down? Or you say the wrong thing and and Trudeau comes in and shuts down your bank account? It's like, what do we? You know, like, I don't know. It's like, well, you hopefully you have some way to like offer fish to your neighbor. That's not yeah. in the form of like a, a goofy TikTok video. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, dude. Yeah, I think that's what's so. Um, I don't know. I think ultimately, as far as all the like cancel shit goes, I'm like. You know, one thing that I like about you and connected with you in the in the short time that we've been around each other is I have a I have a pretty solid grasp on when other people have a pretty solid grasp on who they are. Um, like if so, it, and if somebody doesn't, I, um, I've just kind of hit a place in my life where I'm like, yeah, well, I don't really care to, to go past the thing with you. Um, and I think I say that to say, like, I think ultimately, if you're a good person, and I think you and I are good people, and that our, um, you know, our skin in the game is, is helping people, like, you're not just sharing the shit that you share for kicks and giggles. I, I would imagine that it's, uh, you know, at the heart of it is like, well, I want to enhance people's lives. Um, same thing with music for me. So I, I think if that is at the heart of the thing where you're like, hey, man, I'm here to help and I'm, um, I'm not a bad person. I like to think that the universe kind of smiles upon that and, mm. um, and doesn't want that boat rocked. Um, granted, it can go the other way and we've seen it. Um, especially the shit you're talking about where it's like, man, living in a place where, you know, a government could just be like, well, I disagree with your politics and now you can't touch your money. Yeah. I wonder what, what you mean by good people. And also I wonder what you mean by um, like knowing who you are. Um, so, okay. Ooh. Um, I guess the thing, uh, the knowing who you are thing is like, is always a feeling to me. Um, you, I, I guess I just, I can always tell when someone, um, you know, my goal is, is to, with myself, is to know myself, to know my thoughts, to be able to unpack my own thinking when I um, am reacting, mm -hmm. um, like to be able to trace a pathological thought, to be like, okay, well, that's not actually me. That's like the pissed, teen, pissed off 16 year old version of me. So that's actually not a good thought. Um, yeah. and I, at least what I've found is I think people that are really into things like fitness, breath, um, meditation, um, tend to have a pretty good handle on their, on their thoughts. Um, maybe not those things individually, but as a whole, right? Like it's something that I feel like is, uh, kind of in common with, um, you know, high level jujitsu players tend to be really good problem solvers. The, the way that you're describing it seems like it's almost like a skill to be yeah. able to na navigate through your <laughs> through your mind. So, yeah. in in a sense, could that that I mean that skill can be taken away, and it is taken away with with like great regularity with people. So, who is that person then if that skill starts to starts to to break down? That's a deep cut for eight a.m. Dog. Yeah, I never thought about that, dude. That's serious. Um, and by good people. Yeah, short of short of me catching, you know, a high kick to the head and losing my cognitive function and my ability to navigate my thoughts. Um, I, 
I, to me, what a good person is, is someone at the core of them that isn't wishing harm, that's here to help. You know, that's kind of always the, that's always my mantra. That's like something I always say, like, I feel like whenever I get flustered and I'm having a call with like my manager and shit seems to be hitting the fan, that's something I'll say like, hey man, I'm just here to help. Like, that's the only reason I'm playing songs. That's the only, at the core of everything I'm doing. That's why I make records. That's why I do all the shit is like, just here to help, man. Life is hard. Music helps. Life is hard, you know, like, um, yeah. So I guess by good person, that's what I mean. There's those people that you can tell that the, the core of their thing is I'm here to help. I wonder if there's any person from your perception that at the root of them, there is inherent ungoodness. Yes. Actually, it's funny you say that right before you hopped on. Um, I was going to watch the, the state of the union last night. And then right. I just, I wasn't in a place, uh, where I was ready to digest it. And I was like, okay, I'll get to that tomorrow after I do the podcast. Yeah. But I actually, I saw the, the picture of the magical flying V that was Kamala Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Um, oh, yeah. and I think there is very inherent, not goodness in all three of them, particularly Nancy Pelosi. There's, um, a, there's like factual things of like, oh, well, you're using insider information to dictate trades. You know, you get paid 200000 a year, but you're worth $200 million. How does that work? You know, you've been the Speaker of the House for X amount of years. So um, aside from the factual thing, I uh, she gives off a very dark vibe. There's something inherently dark in her that I see. But is there, so I question this with my, myself, of like my, my uh, hypothesis is that at the root of every person, if you draw the layers back far enough, you have this like, you know, sweet, loving little boy and little girl. And then at some point, that sweet, loving little boy or little girl, like a baby, <laughs> like if, have you come across like a fetus, you know, or a newborn child that's just like, all inherently bad and yeah. supple skin <laughs> yeah. and just like scared and and loving and curious and like all of that wrapped up into one little entity that you're like oh fuck that baby <laughs> yeah totally totally dude i've said um i've said for, you know my wife is a psychotherapist um and i've always kind of said that that's her superpower is um when even working with some of the most troubling adults, uh, she has this magic power where she doesn't see, uh, I think the person that the average person would see, she doesn't see this like angry alcoholic veteran. She sees like, you know, uh, yeah, a 12 year old kid that's scared, abused and angry and sad. She like immediately when she is dealing with someone sees the thing behind the thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, it's almost like an insurance policy for yourself because if you have the lens to see the dark in others, it's likely a reflection of seeing the dark in self. Mm -hmm. And if you have the lens of seeing the child in others, or you know, to use like Ram Dass language, like the God in others, then you likely have that practice of observing that in yourself. But I think that the, you know, it's like. I, I am a little bit hesitant to throw stones in, in like a glass house, you know, the idea. Because I think that 
if I if it, if I were to turn the finger around on myself, I'm sure I could, you know, paint myself out to be evil or a saint or you know a douchebag or a really cool guy. Like it really just depends on the moment. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. like getting into like tracking yourself recording yourself for the last seven years or whatever there's, there's lots of times we're like oh man i'm just like really arrogant or pompous or whatever and behind that it's never what's on the face that is the thing it's always that's always just a symptom of something else in my in my experience and opinion and so behind that i typically see the opposite so when someone is is really proud or really you know and that comes off like with a tinge of arrogance that's ultimately covering up like i think a small boy or girl that felt unsafe unloved unworthy and now they're compensating by making sure that everyone else knows that they're really fucking worthy and they're really fucking safe Dude, and really fucking strong that is so dead on so um so okay. then with so then with the with the flying v like the sacred, <laughs> you know, the, the, the sacred triangle with that, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know enough about any of them on a personal level to have any like strong opinions, but running the narrative or story that they are, um, you know, evil in quotations, whatever that means, um, which you have to like unpack, like, what does that mean exactly for each individual person, but they're, they're shitty. <clears throat> they're greedy they're deceptive they're like any of those like descriptors to me i would say okay like if that's coming out of the face then what is behind that and then it's like okay well then it's, it's you know it's an interesting question to ask yeah you know one thing that's really interesting about what you just said is like when i started training in martial arts you know, so gr growing up, my brother was, we grew up in a, in a pretty shitty neighborhood. Um, and, you know, I would say the neighborhood was like maybe 30% white, um, predominantly black. And then there was a big housing project that was full of all of the Bosnian refugees. Des Moines was one of the cities that they picked when the refugees came from Kosovo, they sent them to, um, to Des Moines. And, um, but we grew up getting fucked with and by like fucked with like I mean like stopped getting our shoes stolen getting our bike stolen like just getting like you know like stuck up like okay cool I'm out riding my bike with my brother and then like some dudes just roll up and they're like yo give us all your shit and you're like oh that sucks but you know my brother developed this very like he became very tough and scary and started doing very very violent things so people became scared of us like most of my identity I felt like in middle school and high school was I was Aaron's little brother, you know? So years, years later, when I started doing martial arts, it's like halfway through my blue belt, dude, I started getting very violent and very aggressive to the point that my dear friend and coach like pulled me aside and was like, Hey dude, um, I don't know who you're fighting in here, but you can't fight them in here anymore. Like you gotta knock this shit off. Like you used to be this like really enjoyable light, energy in the gym and now nobody likes you and it kind of sent me on this thing of like in therapy of being like oh dude I've been in here fighting my dad fighting my brother like all of the things you just said was I wanted to be like nope nope see how worthy I am I'm so good at violence and I'm so tough and I'm so this and I'm so that and it was all just bullshit 
you know, and I had to completely like deconstruct that thing of like, okay, cool. Was my journey with martial arts to prove to my big brother who doesn't give a fuck anyway, that I can beat him up. Like, you know, and it's, it's interesting, I guess, um, when we look at the, the flying V, what it seems like is a lot of that sort of thinking unchecked, you know, Mm. like there was no aha, you know, on the path to insider trading or fucking people over and costing hundreds of jobs while you cash in money or, making backdoor deals, you know, it's a lot of that sort of pathological shit unchecked where there was no aha and we're like, oh man, well, is this type of person I want to be? Okay. If not, I need to start digging. Um, where do you think you're at with that stuff now? I, a lot better, you know, like, Hey, me and my brother have a great relationship. Um, and you know, you and I are both blessed enough to, um, um, to spend time around martial artists that even if you are like a really good black belt, you are not a really good black belt. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, um, so my journey with martial arts now is so, um, I guess like really personal to me. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with anyone. You know, I had a really bad neck injury and I learned a lot through that. I'm just like, cool, man, I'm going to be able to do this at my pace, my style, my thing. Um, and it really has nothing to do with anybody, um, which is cool. Cause it's kind of turned me in, um, to an absolute sponge again. Mm. And every time I come to Austin, I just am blown away by the level of like, um, shit that there is to learn. You know what I mean? I think that to me, that's, what's so cool about, um, martial arts in general is you're never going to be like, yeah, dude, I did it. I understand all of the boxing. I understand all of the jujitsu. It's fully in there and downloaded. I got it. Um, you know, there's always so much more to dig into, um, which trips me out. I just had, you and I both had uh, Lovato on our podcast in, in like the same two week period. Oh, yeah. And every time I talk to that dude, I just am like, man, you are the martial artist I want to be when I grow up. Not even like the, the competition accolades. I couldn't achieve those if I, <laughs> if I tried and had two lifetimes, but his, um, that's really his, sh- like his spiritual path is jujitsu. Um, yep. and it's, uh, it's a really magical thing to behold. So I guess, yeah, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So I'm on an ever, ever present quest to figure out what my jujitsu is, what my Muay Thai is, um, and kind of pick the lessons off the tree as I go, but it has very little to do with being good at violence now. When, when do you think a person grows up? I think that's so different for everybody, dude. Um, trauma, you know, when I was in therapy, uh, I didn't know, you know, I grew up in a very abusive household and learning that like if a traumatic event happens to somebody, it can like stunt their emotional maturity at the, the time when that happens. In that, in that lane of maturity. I don't know that there's just like one blanket overarching sure. okay this is the entirety of your emotional maturity as though it's like total one singular lane but i feel like there's and i don't know what the hell i'm talking about i'm just you know i'm just fumbling through my own experience but um i think there's certain parts you know that that you might and then within that when that gets stunted in that one specific lane a common tendency is to compensate in other lanes that you have access to mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting yeah, it's weird because I you have to know I know a lot of adults that haven't grown up. 
and I mean that in like a bad way, not in a good way of like, they're still playful and still like following their folly. I mean, like, you know, like very immature adults that like can't seem to hold it together. That's what I, don't so know, I don't know that I've, I've grown up. I, I, I think there's, there's several categories where I, I still have parts for sure that yes. um, there's like uh, unseen little, little boy versions of myself that I'm still like working on, on refinding in a way. And I, I have like, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing, but I, uh, yeah, I have a a sneaky suspicion that there's like, there's definitely breakthroughs to be had in my experience where I'm like, ah, okay. I feel more, I would say grown up, uh, is, is kind of like the experience of integration, you know? So if you, if you're all deep articulated, you're like fragmented that would be probably an expression of like lack of growing up, you mm-hmm. know, just to put some type of objective terminology and what does sure. grow up mean? In the no, first I think place. that fits well. And so in that, in that, that, that defragmentation process of like allowing the parts to come back together, <clears throat> that would probably be like a definition of growing up. And I feel like I, I still have a lot of, a lot of defragmenting to do. Yeah. What's your relationship with, with psychedelics? Do you have one? Yeah, I think they're great. I, I um... <laughs> good answer. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's always what I say too. Yeah, no, I think they're great. Um... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like advocatory of mm-hmm. them for other people or anything. Like, I don't like you know. I think a relationship can be a psychedelic. I think a business can be a psychedelic. I think ultimately, like life is a psychedelic. Like you are gathering, you know, millions and billions of bits of information in the form of particles and waves, and then you're transferring you know, those that energy information is going into your eyes and nose and taste buds and ears, you know, and essentially it's just like electricity that's translated into this internal visualized experience that really is completely based off of uh, the interpreter. So there's no without, I mean, I know I'm going like way out there and I don't think I even described that really perfectly, but I think you get the gist. No, I follow. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's, there's no, there really is no reality without the interpreter, without the interpreter, without your, you know, five to more than that senses, there's definitely more than that, but that like the, at least that like the basic commonly accepted five senses, um, you just have a bunch of, of particles and waves. And even the concept of particles and waves is a construct of, of the human. So if you wind it back, if you wind it back, like we're just tripping balls all the time and so the idea of even having a a mushroom in your hand is a psychedelic experience and then you ingest the mushroom you're like oh hmm, okay it's almost like in a way the mushroom is like the anti-psychedelic in a way that's dude that's so wild that you just said that because that's kind of always what i've said where like or felt thought said um you know alan watts said we are God in the universe and we are simply an aperture at which God admires itself or studies itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought that visual was very, I mean, it's very psychedelic in nature, right? Of like, okay, I am this thing. And when you think of this lens, this video camera as being like, oh, okay, well, I'm a fragment of God. And this is me just observing all of the things that is also God in the universe. It really is psychedelics completely out of the picture this human experience is one of the more 
like it might be the weirdest thing ever. I mean, it's all we really know, but it's I re- absolutely I, the weirdest thing ever because it's all, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just the idea so. of like, I remember so many early, um, psychedelic trips as a young man, uh, of just being completely blown away with the fact that all of these other people were also people that have all of these stories that have all of these perceptions that are observing me that are observing everyone like that we're all just kind of steering our own little thing in this and then we're supposed to interact and communicate um yeah it used to really blow me away i feel like so many of my early psychedelic experiences were completely consumed by just that of just Mm. being completely floored by the fact that I am one human in a sea of humans. Everybody's all having their own story, their own heartache, their own joys, their own cries and smiles and all of that. It just used to really fuck me up. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, I guess the the goal has always been like, okay, well, how do we get into the, to the mix where we can kind of join all these things together? To me, that's always been the magic of music, Um, particularly, you know, going to, um, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, like that kind of jam band culture where everybody was on psychedelics together. And the goal was like, okay, we're all having these individual experiences, but we're having them together because we're at this show and the show is kind of the, the thing. So now to get to be the, um, you know, the conductor of that experience of a bunch of people having individual experiences together is, uh, my greatest joy aside from being a dad it's right they're like right parallel with each other yeah the 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 music the show part i think that that's like i think that's why we are in relationship you know it's like why we have sex we're like trying to like slam our bodies against each other to find some sensation of, of union you know but i think behind what's behind the thing like the actual like p and the v um, (laughs) i think is is this this like deep inherent inclination to want to dissolve the self and uh you know dissolve into into the the entirety of everything and because that ultimately i think feels very safe you know like we're all like like hunting for maybe not we're all but a common trend for most people would be to be searching for safety like you feel inherently unsafe and you are reaching out grasping for branches of safety and some people are are reaching out grasping because they can't breathe you know which is a common you know common saying these days and you know or 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 something of the sort they feel like they can't breathe but they actually can completely breathe and they're totally just sitting on a you know a, a, a beach in tahiti someplace just with mocktails and beautiful girls, but they are running the story that they can't breathe, you know? And so that's, <clears throat> I think that that's why we're attempting, or that's why we're, we are, as a human species, have been inclined towards psychedelic experiences and, you know, ordeal poisoning. If you don't have access to psychedelics where you're starving yourself or, you know, going through some type of like really pain, painful ceremony yeah. thing or sweat yeah. or something like this sort in order to almost like uh, temporarily kill that or starve or whatever language that uh individualistic side of yourself 
which then comes back to I think what ultimately like you know Christ represents, which is why Christianity is actually really dope. Um, as long as you don't get like drink the Kool Aid too much and don't yeah. take things too literally, um, then it's like wow, like cool, like you like. It's interesting in in Christianity the idea that perhaps the individual is represented by Christ, and is so wildly against what most people would educate within the like the 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 the, the churches you know or mm -hmm. whatever whatever social group you're engaging with the bible is but i think ultimately like that thing that's like the worst thing to do is in fact what it represents like the like the bible is and, and jesus and him going through his his whole process of dying and having the rebirth and you know all that i feel like that's something that each individual allegorically is going through in their life you know every day every week every year and sometimes you have big deaths sometimes you have like little deaths like that's an orgasm like petite mort like a little orgasm uh -huh. you know and i think that's what we're doing all the time we're kind of like the individualistic side grows expands gets bigger bigger takes up more bandwidth eventually that becomes really lonely and feels incredibly dangerous and then you're like, oh, I got to squash this thing. And, oh. and then you die for a moment. And then oh, it starts to grow back and grow back and grow back. And it's like this oscillatory experience. Very interesting. Let me ask you this to tie uh, two things together that we've touched on here. There was a book that I read many years ago called Breaking Open the Head by a guy named Daniel Pinchbeck. Yeah, I know Daniel. Yeah. Okay. So in this book, he kind of goes to all of these different um you know, he's, he, he dives into all these different cultural ceremonies, right? Um, most of them involving psychedelics, but essentially uh, what I gathered from the book, um, at the beginning of the book, he, he talks about this term kadult, and he talks about um, this sort of stunted um, adolescence that can linger because of uh, the way our culture's set up, right? Um, whereas like, in a lot of indigenous cultures, it would say, okay, well, Aaron, today you were a man. To, to, to mark that, we are going to put this tattoo on your face so everybody knows you are a man. And from here on out, you know, here are your expectations as a man. You will follow these expectations. You have people around you to guide you into this, knowing that you're new here. But like, here it is. Here is your manhood. And um, in our culture, we have, you know, prom. Uh, we have college, which is typically this thing of like, okay, you're away from home, get fall down drunk for a few years, hopefully you meet a girl. Um, these very kind of lackadaisical, there's no ceremony, there's no um, breaking open of the head, as it were. Um, and, you know, we were talking earlier when we were kind of saying, okay, well, what's a grown up? Um, I think that the reason that you and I even have to ask those questions, because if you and I were in the same indigenous tribe and someone was like, well, what does it even mean to be a man? It's like, well, motherfucker, when you're 14, you go through the ceremony, you get your tattoo and your whole list of responsibilities and expectations change. So this is what it means to be a man. We'd have a very clear, um, we'd have a very clear dialogue on what a, what, what a grown up was. It's like, well, uh, duh, you know, where I feel like the reason that we even have to have that well, what's a grown-up? Is because we've made the human experience so weird and all of these other stimuli and stuff like that. Do you think that um, a kind of lack of ceremony and a lack of divinity in welcome to adulthood kind of plays into that? 
Yeah, like <clears throat> like language is kind of like a barrier for or like a like a guidepost for how our, our, our thoughts and reality and you know the our capacity to think is based around the, the our our vernacular if we don't have the words to think a thing then we just won't go down that lane because the words don't they're not there <laughs> right you know so and that's the same with with traditions and ceremonies and rites of passages and things like that i think that to have this the story of this is what it is if you get that at a young age I think it'd be like, it'd be like, yes, and like it would, it would form the potential path for you to start to identify with this thing called a man, which is ultimately a, you know, a story as well. Um, and so that would maybe be healthy. Um, but also maybe that person, if you would come back to, to the original definition that I just, you know, made up 21 minutes ago of a man or a woman being or like actually like a, a grown integrated man or woman would be someone that's less fragmented, you know, like they're closer to, to whole. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that six year old self that got abused or that, you know, 12 year old self that, you know, whatever fill in the blank thing that was bummer, bummer for them that happened that caused them to kind of like repress and walk away from themselves. <clears throat> if all of those parts are gathered up, into one present experience called Bob or, or, or Layla. I don't know that having a definitive rite of passage just suddenly defragments the individual and sure. it, it can, you know, but I, I think it's like in our, whether we want to have rites of passages or, or not, there's an, that inherently it's going to happen in culture. And it's a similar thing of like, whether you have access to psychedelics or not, you're going to find some way to alter your state because it's like almost like a nutrient of sorts for like the, the, the like human psychology. And so in our rite of passage, it's just like messier and less mm -hmm. specific. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's like as above, so below, that's how our relationships are. That's how, you know, business is, you know, we, there's like this kind of internal angst and for many people, that's a product of like the, the, what's that paralysis by analysis kind of thing. Like, oh, you have so much choice. You know, I'm just like this neurotic fucking freak because I just don't know where to, where to well, lay dude, my Well, imagine, eggs. I always, I always say that, you know, when like going to, uh, to a restaurant, <laughs> whereas this like, yeah, well, fucking, of course, it's going to take you 20 minutes to order. It's like, yeah, if you went there and was like, yeah, we have fish and rice. You'd be like, oh, well, okay. I guess I'm having fish and rice then. Yeah, I think yeah. it would. I think it would create a lot less. Something sort of... really. There's something really gratifying about fish and rice. Yeah. You know? Like I, 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 and so what I, so I guess what I'm, what I'm saying in a, in a very like roundabout kind of way, is um, we're gonna do it regardless. And one isn't better or worse. The only way you'd have better or worse is if you were to find what is better. And if you define better to be fill in the blank thing then you can reverse engineer and say like okay cool like this style of existence is is better you know that style is is, is worse but i don't i think regardless of whether you try <clears throat> to like push the human experience or not there's certain inherent <clears throat> roads that we're going to go down and a part of that is would be like that rite of passage thing and i think in our culture what rite of passage looks like is like you know you get really shit face drunk and you throw a bowling ball through your gym coaches or your football coaches front 
Bayview window mm-hmm. with your buddies. And they're like, wow, like, damn, you could get seriously arrested for that shit. Yeah. You know, like, okay, like, yes. <sighs> like, it came out and you had your tribe, you had your people, you know, and they perceived you for a moment as being like this strong, <clears throat> fearless man. And in that moment, you had like a little death, you know, but is that the ultimate? Like, probably not. Like, is the tattoo face moment the ultimate or the time that you put your hands into a a, a glove of bees, you know, right, and got stung right. and just like observed the pain and transcended the pain? The time that you got hooks placed into your back and you hung from them until you transcended the pain because you had no other choice? The time that you starved for X amount of days or like yes and it's not over after that like that doesn't just suddenly defragment everything yeah but it's it's like a part of the process yeah and i always wonder how much stuff um especially in like tribal culture how much is like happenstance so uh you know like the story of crazy horse he is this young man uh his dad was a very bad motherfucker and you know, he had this dream that he wasn't sure that he wanted to share and a neighboring tribe had been attacked uh, and he saw some very traumatic things. He happened to kind of come up on the scene of some dead women and children. So it was this very traumatic thing and he had to be the one that delivered this news. So to kind of cleanse him, they do this sweat. And during the sweat, um, he has this vision of himself wearing a very particular piece of jewelry behind his ear very particular marking on him, very particular marking on his horse. Uh, And these enemy arrows and bullets are coming at him, but they're not hitting him. Uh, And he shares this. um, He shares this with his dad and his dad goes, oh, holy shit. Okay, cool. So the next day they, you know, they find the jewelry, they get the paint. They're like, okay, (laughs) this is, you just dreamed your destiny. And it's like, um, I think that's kind of the the funny thing about these things is it's like, yeah, did he dream his destiny or was he just very dehydrated, nutrient deprived, which created this weird dream state to happen? And he saw this thing, um, but he essentially dreamed up this thing. And then the tribe agreed like, okay, well, you're the one, you are now crazy horse. You are the one that's gonna um, save the Lakota people. You are like the ultimate warrior that's gonna lead this resistance against the US military. Um, and when I was reading this book, the journey of crazy horse, I couldn't help, but during that process of, or during that part of the book, be like, man, I wonder if this fucking 14 year old kid was like, fuck, man, I shouldn't have said anything. I should not have shared the dream. I should have just fucking shut up. And if they asked me what the dream was, be like, Oh, I don't know. There was like some flowers and stuff. It was weird. You know, like, I feel um, like each we have, I don't know why I've got like a, I'm like a thing in my throat. Hold on, let me give it like a little cough, cough moment. <coughs> I need that help. <coughs> it might come back. Dude, my voice is, is falling apart. Oh, wait. There it is. There it is. I think that was it. Oh, wow, I'm back. I'm in the driver's seat. I just had a little death. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you, you, we, we, just, we just have different... Uh, lenses on what's happening in the world and there's no lens that's better or worse you can be highly microscopic and just in the moment now and that might be a little bit more like the individualistic thing or you can be highly microscopic with with somebody else you know and in their immediate needs you know and like that's where your lens is and you don't see any thirty thousand foot 
view perspective or what's behind what they're saying behind what they're saying behind what because you can just spin yourself in circles with that as well and kind of like you know you go through like you know you're, you're essentially like intellectually masturbating you know you're just spinning yourself in tails that don't ultimately even actually matter because there's real shit happening in the world and you know maybe you're you know i don't know someone's life needs to be saved in that moment and meanwhile you're like pontificating on bullshit like haha it's like wait like mm-hmm. you could have actually made a difference there you know and, and so i think that that's and there is value in being able to flip your lens you know and go through myopic and panoramic and you know for like like zoom in and out with the lens and that's the thing that some people that are really hyper focused in um you know would be kind of like more like like normal people in culture like if you're in you know i don't know music festival reality or psychedelic culture or something like that they're probably there's i think there's kind of a definitive or any kind of you know i, I wasn't around in the 70s but like like beatnik culture mm-hmm. you know people that are like like timothy leary tribe you know people that are like 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 checking out you know dropping in checking out or dropping out rather um or how, how how do you say that something drop uh, dude drop, i just dr- used this at a song yeah like, uh, like, tune in like, and drop out yeah they're, they're tuning they're tuning in and dropping out so they so the people in that tribe they would perceive the rest of culture that's that's not dropping out as like like normies you know like yeah. normal they're like the normal people they're like the robots automatons yeah you know and and i mean i think ultimately both serve their purpose yeah, you know, there's not always... one, and, and you be and you you become. I think you become the the issue, or you become the thing that you hate when you are the person that weaves the tale of separation, and that's the irony that I see in the last, especially like couple of years, where you know the country is kind of like pretty well at its throat in itself. In, in a way, I'm like, hold on, like you're at its throat it's at its throat it's at itself's throat you know and so i think that's that's the 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 bigger realization is like okay the more that i am operating from this place of of seeing how they're wrong or seeing how how different we are and all of that i think ultimately what that is is a reflection of me being at war with myself and i think another lens or another layer even perhaps deeper you know who knows who's to say if it's deeper you know, wherever, but wherever, wherever that layer exists, exactly. Uh, but if you come back again, I think you could, you could see the person is like, ah, okay, I, I see that you're hurt. And I see that I'm hurt. And I see that they come out in different ways. And I see if we keep on winding back, winding back, winding back, I just see, you know, maybe I see this little girl, maybe I see this little boy, if I keep winding back more and more and more, I say, ah, okay, I pretty much see what seems to be like a reflection of me. And then I went back more and more. I was like, oh, wow, I see me. And then I went back more and more and more. And then I'm like, oh, I don't see anything. There just is. No layer is incorrect. And if you only existed in the is, that would be problematic as well. Because you also, you know, you want to be able to like put cake into your face and, you know, drive your car and stay in the lane. You know, but all being able to just have access to that lens and be able to focus in and focus out. I think that's, you know, I think that's a tool. Yeah. I think, you know, that's something that's been saving my ass from not going down these stupid, pointless fucking thought wormholes is 
Seneca and Marcus Aurelius both had different versions of essentially like, yeah, man, there isn't good things. There isn't bad things. There's just things, you know, and like part of having a life is that things are going to happen to you. So, um, you know, the best thing you can do is just know yourself, know your thoughts, um, and, and try not to get caught up in the things, whether they're perceived bad or good. Um, a thing that I, that I have grappled with a lot is, um, growing up, all of the hierarchies were determined upon violence and force. Um, and then, you know, moving into the martial arts world, we can, we can talk all of the Zen bullshit we want, but there's a reason why, um, there's a head in a, of an academy, right? There's a reason why there's like, oh yeah, this dude sits atop the hierarchy of this gym. It's because he's clearly the most skilled at the thing that we're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, and I struggled with that. You know, I had, um, I had somebody that I've never met. I had, I had uh, let a friend of theirs go that was previously on my team um, well over a year ago. And they just took a very big opportunity from me. And I, and I really struggle with the thought of, you know, I can go back to the layers and go, oh, you're hurt because I hurt your friend and you see an opportunity to hurt me back. So you're taking that. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's what a human would do. And then the other side of me goes, oh man, I can't wait to see you in person and go up to you and say, hey man, I know that you took that fam or that money from me. Ultimately what you did was you took a substantial amount of money from uh, my wife and my children. So as you could imagine, you and I have quite the, quite the issue on our hands here that needs to be dealt with. So how would you like to deal with it? Um, and again, it's like all of that, like, okay, well, that's just dumb teenage thinking. I'm like, okay, well, you hurt me. So now I'd like to hurt you. And um, I don't really have a way to get, you know, I can't really snatch an opportunity from you because we have very different jobs within this industry, but I could fight you and you would lose for sure because you don't practice that. Um but so would you, and even the idea. Yes. I mean, it, it sounds. It yes. sounds. It sounds honestly like you. You're already losing right now yep. in the way that in the way that you're describing yes. it. So you are victimizing yourself. I yep. Would say, and you are fighting yourself. Yep. And this person out there has no idea. Probably. Exactly, and, and they probably and, and really, haven't even really thought about it. And really doesn't give a fuck. And so yep. I see a moment, a temporary sensation of an angry, confused boy that's expressing out and feeling momentarily powerful by destroying himself ultimately with the story or illusion that I will inflict pain upon you yes. and that will create some type of yes. bartering gain. And where you hit the nail on the head, <laughs> yes. And where you've even hit the, hit the nail on the head beyond the fantasizing thing of like, oh, I'm gonna fuck you up for this thing because I know what right and wrong is and you did the wrong thing. Where you hit the nail on the head, guaranteed, since that dude, you know, pushed that proverbial button of like, no, he cannot be on this event. Um, guaranteed he hasn't thought about it. And I've sat over here and spun my wheels on it seven ways from fucking Sunday. So it's like really in the, uh, I guess in the like heady battlefield that is thoughts, he's kicking the shit out of me. And there's nothing I could do to get him back because other than be like, yep, well, that's not a good thing or a bad thing. That's just a thing. And you should quit thinking about it because there's not much to be done. Just feel like before, uh, you know, I suggested that our language, you know, our, our, our thoughts and our reality is kind of, it's like bumper bowling and the, and the, and the, and the guards are 
the words that we communicate with. And by a person coming into that place, immediately as soon as I hear, you did this to me, what I hear is a person that is fragmented. So your power is in responsibility. That's, that's like a pillar. You know, no one can do anything to me. You know, like you could, whatever it is, you can shoot me. This is like barring from other philosophical people, whatever. But like, I don't even need you not to shoot me. Like, I'm like, I like, it's like, that's, I, I don't have attachment to this because I, I really am at that layer of like, okay, this is a bunch of isness. There's no bad or good. This is, there's just happenings until you come up with this story because words and thoughts are really powerful and you hold on to the idea that I am the victim. You did this to me. Fine. Perfectly fair. You can have that. Just realize that it is yours to have. And it, as far as like the impact out beyond your own internal, like shadow cancer twist impingement, there is no effect beyond that. And so it's a, it's just a choice to come to the place, but it, it sounds like it's, it sounds, and, and I could be misspeaking and, and wrong about this. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with me being immature with my thoughts right now and being like, oh no, like being a, identifying as a victim is actually really meaningful in six months. Maybe I'll feel that way, but the way that where I'm at now, I feel like, uh, I feel like that it's an interesting thing. And, and ultimately I think it's like, um, yeah, I don't know what you think about that. I think that rejecting victimhood anytime it arises is, is typically the path of least resistance, because like you're saying, there's this thing that says, um, you know, hold on, I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, so I would wind back again and I would, so, so more word stuff, rejecting victimhood. I think that that can put you in another double bind. So, okay. I was in victimhood. I was, that was a, that was a self-rejection. My solution to my self-rejection is to reject my self-rejection. So that puts us into another knot from my perception. And so I think ultimately what I'm, what I'm kind of like barking around is coming into a place of, of like compassionate acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I forget who said it, but the, there's a saying that says, you know, uh, resentment is like drinking poison in hopes that it hurts the person that hurts you. It's like, well, you know, and, and what you're saying is actually hitting me really hard right now. It's like, yeah, man, no, absolutely. This is your experience to have by all means, dude, sit, sulk, spin, soak in it, but it's not yeah. anybody else's. So it's like, that actually just hit me really heavy, man. Hmm. Um, to think of it in that way is it's like, well, yeah, man, no one, <laughs> no one else is feeling this shit. The man that did the thing isn't, is certainly not feeling it. I'm yeah, I am. Um, but it's such a wild thing in our story. Cause we all have these, um, you know, I just have such a, a black and white of like right or wrong. Cause I guess, uh, what, what is a dumb thing to do that I've been doing is I'm like, man, why wouldn't you just fucking call me? Like, you know, enough people that have my number. Why don't you call me and be like, Hey man. So this thing just came across my desk. My gut reaction was that I wanted to say, no, he can't be a part of this show. Um, but before I make a decision that could affect you so heftily, I just want to, you know, I want to hear your side, you know, like, okay, why, why did homie get fired? What, you know, what's the, 
let's have a discourse on this before I make any sort of decision. Because I feel like I'm at a place of maturity, as it were, that I don't have it in me where I used to be very cold, where I'd be like, no, fuck that dude, you disrespected, you broke some weird hierarchical hierarchical agreement that I have about how things should be, and you don't get a chance to explain yourself. I feel like I've hit a a place in my maturity where I want to discuss you know, before I do something that's going to affect someone, I want to give someone a chance to kind of make their case. Um, because the amount of times that I thought that I was thinking properly and then heard someone else's side and been like, oh, shit, well, if I was, if I was the star of your movie, I would have perceived it that way, too. And I guess I never took that into consideration. So before I go dropping gavels, um, you know, a discussion should be had. And I would I would maybe I so one, I appreciate you being um, like open to having this conversation. Cause this is like, I think that's very mature to be able to have this, especially in like a public forum. Um, Cause I think that's something that's a problem. And that's what you, you like alluded to earlier was like, like the value of, of being a perennial student, you know, and come from a place of like, oh, I don't know anything. And the, the moment that you start to have the insecure fear-based thought pattern that you know everything, <clears throat> that's when you stop learning. Yeah, and you just you're like your container closes, um, you know. But w- something that I'm I'm wondering if is perhaps like that the anger that uh, you're experiencing in this towards this other person could be ultimately. I mean, I think it probably is ultimately back at yourself, but but ultimately back at yourself, and perhaps that anger back at yourself could be like, oh, why didn't I do this better, or why didn't I have a plan B, plan C, plan D. Why am I so attached to this thing? And instead of coming from a place of like radical responsibility of like, fuck, like I'm pissed off at myself. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a provider. I'm a father. I'm, you know, all of these things. And I allowed myself to be, you know, vulnerable in that, that position. And I got burnt and now I'm pissed and it's your fault because it feels safer to put that out. You know, and I, and I feel like probably if we're having anger going out, it's it's actually coming in somewhere. And I think it's an interesting question. I was like, oh, like where, you know, where would that be? And within that, there's also something really wildly courageous about being vulnerable and putting that out into one place. And that's kind of like a part of what relationship is. And you, you have a relationship with this guy, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your, with your you know, kids or whatever i think like the, the wife and you know business is more tenuous than kids because kids are kind of just like they're like you know they're like you um but and i don't have kids so i don't know what the hell i'm talking about but but within that there is something really um you know courageous and beautiful about making putting yourself into that that vulnerable position and not always having your shit completely intact and together and you know so i think it's like both are actually really meaningful but i wonder if you were to draw it back, like where that anger would um, maybe like originate. Yeah, well, I felt like, you know, I think the thing that started the thing, I felt like I handled really well and professionally. And um, so I think that's, that's where the anger comes from is it doesn't feel just or deserving. um, Because I felt like I handled the, the thing that, you know, that this man I've never met was upset about. I felt like I handled it very well. Um, 
clearly that's not his perception. So again, it goes back to the thing. It's like, okay, well, what does well even mean? You know, like what does handling something well even really mean? Cause that's just up to my, up to my code. Let me ask you this. I, do you think it is healthy or beneficial? You know, I have like, for instance, when I'm feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, um, I will lift weights or go hit pads. And I listen to this song, The Boss by James Brown. And it fills me up with this, um, this feeling of like, nah, I got this shit. Like, yeah, man, hard things come because I'm the fucking boss because I'm running this motherfucker and mm-hmm. I'm the one, you know? So it's like, yeah, let it rain down on me. All the problems, all the stress, all the, you know, bleh, all the shit that any one industry or, you know, whatever could possibly have put that shit on me. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that sort of, for lack of a better term, that sort of like exercise, cause really it's fully fucking ego drenched <laughs> catharsis is really what it is. This fucking ego catharsis. Yeah. Do you think that is a healthy form of processing? Cause for me, it actually is really helpful when I get a solid pump going, I'm hitting shit real hard. I'm feeling smooth and fast to listen to James Brown and just be like, yeah, no, none of this shit can touch me. I'm good. Yeah. Well, so short answer. Yes. More nuanced answer. I think it's, you know, it's not what we do. It's why we do it. And so the, the, the short answer, yes. When you are feeling physiologically overwhelmed, you know, in the form of just this massive uptick of, norepinephrine and you know cortisol and adrenaline and all you know and blood's being shunted out from your viscera into your into your appendicular system to your you know your your legs and your arms and you're ready to fight or flight or you know or freeze would be the other potential usually fight is the vibe you might you might (laughs) might go yeah um and fight's not necessarily the healthiest thing like maybe flight you know is is it's also pretty good option in fact probably a better option the best in most in most scenarios sometimes i think fight absolutely is the best option you know bob marley you know i think you know would would agree that for the most part if you get if you can flight get the hell out of there avoid like if you got into a fight you've already lost and now you're just trying to pick the pieces up as fast as you can but just acknowledge that you've lost by mm-hmm. you placing yourself like that's 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 very like aikido perspective you know that's it's like if, if you're in a tussle and there's just ballistic fucking missiles being thrown you fucked up yeah and and you might like to identify with like i'm a big strong man and this is what big strong men do totally you're, con- you're confused and you fucked up yeah dude you know what's so funny some guy it was months and months and months ago some guy was on rogan and he was talking about how some homeless dude had fucked with him downtown and it was very scary for him uh, because he was kind of getting flanked on, on, on two sides by these two dudes. And he had that whole like, fuck, what do I do? And he took off running. And the guy kind of asked Joe like, oh, well, dude, what, you know, what, what would you have done? I mean, you're an absolute unit, you know? And he's like, oh, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have took off running. I don't have time for that shit. I'm like, no. you know, I'm not trying to fight two dudes. I think, if you're, I think if you're fighting, it's, it's kind of one, like a cry for help Two, It's an indication that you feel like you don't have anything to lose. 
Like if you're a person, yes. if, you're, if you're a person that actually has some shit to lose, fighting is essentially like pressing the nuclear warhead button. That's like I am so backed up against the wall. The only option I have access to right now is blood. Yep, that's and, a great analogy. You know, and 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 so within that, it's like you know, I lived in in Hawaii for for several years, and there, fighting is much more a part of the culture. Total. And that's like where people that you like they identify as like that's like a part of, and in some ways, I think that's there is something healthy to that because there is like, it's it's a rite of passage of sorts, you know. And I think getting into a fight does show you a lot about yourself um you know and so it's again there's not like a like an absolute answer to any of that stuff but in relation to hitting the bag and kind of like fluffing your ego for a little bit i think yes sometimes the ego needs a massage and it feels kind of battered up and you need to like do a little work and like put the ego in the in the in the shop you know and change its tires and give it new oil and kind of like get it's like oh like the ego is, is weathered and then sometimes as well, if you allow the eagle ego to get so fucking weathered that it just completely breaks down and it's like, oh, that we can't even use this car anymore. That can potentially open up the space to realize that that car kind of sucked anyway. You yeah. Know, and, that, and then he opens up to another place of like, oh, fuck, maybe let's get a new car. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. instead of just, instead of just continuing to retool this fucking Fiat, you know, or whatever, I don't even know cars, like, well, shitty, 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 place shitty car label in here. Totally. Like, why don't we just get a new, I think it's time for a new car. And I well, think it's with, funny. With, with, it's funny oh. how self regulating martial arts are in that way, right? Of like, um, la last summer, dude, I was sparring two, three days a week, really, really regularly. We had a bunch of guys getting ready for fights. And I was, um, the biggest I had ever been, I was 185 pounds. I just fucking full, the, the best version of myself I had ever been as far as striking goes. And I had a day, man, where I was, I felt like anything that I could see in my head, I was executing. And at the, my last sparring partner was my dear friend, Josh Whaley, who is a 205er, uh, fights sometimes at 205, sometimes at 185. Um, very good pro fighter. I think his record is eight and one. He isn't fighting anymore. And I was getting like Mr. Fancy Pants. I had completely lost touch of reality with what and who I was and what and who he was. So I threw this like cool Superman punch into the spinning heel kick. And I was just like doing the Anderson Silva bullshit, right? Like hands down, long story short, in this complete overconfidence, I got kicked in the nose and had my nose broken and my orbital fractured. And it was the most like, oh yeah, I'm not this thing. These guys are this thing. This is what he does for money. This is something I do for fun. I really let myself get away from myself in here for a minute. And it was mm -hmm. the breaking of the nose that hit the reset of like, okay, yeah, time, time to get a new car, bro. Time to reset, reset the fucking... Yeah. the thing here and to me it's like um you know i i think that's what i'm so in love with with martial arts is same thing you know um you think you're pretty good and then you roll with a guy like lovato and you're like oh um i think i might burn my geese later you know and you're like i actually i actually was under the assumption that after five years i knew some jujitsu but after training with you here today sir it turns out i don't know any um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know any that works, which 
Mike, you're saying, you know, um, Hawaiian culture, I grew up in kind of a version of that, but fighting was, I guess, I felt relatively safe, as safe as a fight can be. Like, no one was getting hit when they were down. Like, if you and I were saying words against each other, it would be a very determined thing of like, okay, well, we're going to fight. That would get set up. I'd bring a few of my friends. You would bring a few of your friends as kind of a safety net to make sure things didn't get stupid. We would fight. And as soon as someone was clearly done fighting, that was the end of it. And then a lot of things that I saw growing up, the two people that fought would become friends after that. Like, it would be like, okay, cool. There's this mutual respect. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah. Um, and I think it is a culture that we've really lost that, um, which is kind of sad because it's like, man, that, that sort of thing, like, I just don't feel like people should intervene in that. I think if two adult men want to fight each other, um, they should be allowed to do that. Um, but at the same thing, like well, you're saying, allow, allowed, they are allowed to do that. It's totally. Long as, both, as, long as, <laughs> yeah. as long as both people are engaged and it's like, you know, this is something we both would like to engage in. There's no one stopping you from you. You're allowed to kill yourself. Yes. There's nothing yes. inherently wrong with killing yourself. Like it's, it's on the table, you know, like you're allowed to do whatever you want, really. It's just, what's the kind of life that you want to live? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, that's, it really just comes back again to like reverse engineering from like, okay, where do I want to go? Do I want to be the type of person that, you know, has like death threats at my door, like violence, like I'm, I'm, I'm sending out tendrils of violence, like that's my shit, you know, and if that's the type of person that you identified with, then, you know, I think that as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone that doesn't want, like actively want to participate in your violence, it's fine. If it spills out into people that are like, no, dude, like I like thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I like to I like yeah. to communicate. Like that's like the way that you invest time and energy into like sharpening your your literal knife, you know, because that's where you feel safest. This other group of people might sharpen their career knife and might sharpen yeah. their intellectual knife and might sharpen their access their to their own internal experience and ability to express you know, deep, terrifying, emotional thoughts and, and experiences from in, inside of themselves, you know, yeah. whereas, and well, that I, is, that is that, you know, that is that, and it's, it's in a conversation, you know, or, or especially like a vulnerable conversation, like that's kind of what it is. It's like a, you know, a, a dialogue can kind of be like a, like a fight in a way, you know, but in the fight, it's like, you're, you're unraveling yourself, you know, and if you have the jujitsu, you know, and you have the practice and the tools and the awareness, and you've spent 10,000 hours cultivating these pathways in order to be able to like unravel yourself. Like, that's cool. Like that's, that's pretty dope jujitsu. Yeah. You know, or you can just be a person that's like, no, I'm just a body and I'm just a physical thing. And you know, if I have an issue because I lack the other tools, typically it's going to be because I lack the other tools. There's few, you're not going to see John Donaher get in a bar fight no no and as like, as someone that grew up with um you know a good portion of my closest friends and my brother um doing extensive stays in federal prisons because they were always sharpening the knife and that was their end all be all for conflict yeah i've seen that movie play out dude it's a it's a pretty sad one 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very, very sad one. And it's something that a person puts in. I gotta, I gotta run because I gotta, yep. I gotta, yep. I'm actually meeting up with Justin Ryan after this. We're gonna shoot some workout shit. Um, but the, what it is, is you get exactly what you think you deserve. And if what you think you deserve is bullshit, you will find a bowl of bullshit. If you think you do not deserve to be free, you will not be free. If you think like any of that. So your choice to invest yourself in sharpening your literal knife uh, and finding yourself in scenarios where like, you know, you're potentially going to get killed or imprisoned. It's because that's what you're actively seeking. It's at a subconscious level, you're, you're looking for that. And within that, it's like, well, if you're willing to be vulnerable and fucking courageous enough to go back into like, what are my deeper, deeper yearns and my deeper subconscious part that you're absolutely fucking terrified of? Cause there's nothing more terrifying Then, uh, you know, then you can maybe start to begin the steps of being able to choose your life. I like that, dude. I like that. We didn't even talk about fitness. This is one of my favorite conversations I think I've ever had. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. It's good to see your face and good to hear you again, dude. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, um, I'll tell people where they can find all your stuff in the intro yeah. and outro, dude, but thank you so much for making time. Give Justin a big hug for me, man. I miss that I'll, guy. I'll give JW a hug. Yeah. And then I do, I do do, uh, I help people with their physical situation. Yeah, I know. That was what I thought we were going to talk about, but this is way better. Um, So I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to talk about all that in the intro and outro. Um, But yeah, yeah, man, God bless you, man. I can't wait till I get to see you again in person. Yeah. appreciate you. All right, man. Take care. See you, brother. Bye. All right, y'all. That was Aaron Alexander. Make sure you check out the Align podcast and the Align Method book. Um, Yeah, I think our next episode is probably going to be a tour debrief. I have one week left of tour. Um, I also have some amazing friends um, that I have lined up to be on um, to talk about um, disabled athletes getting active again. Um, And uh, if you remember, we had uh, David Vabor on uh, at ATT down in Texas. Um, I'm going to have his partner, Mo, who's their mindfulness coach on, and then uh, a couple of their athletes, too. It's just something I'm really intrigued by, you know, when I'm, when someone's told that they're never going to walk again and then they end up running marathons. Uh, that's obviously pretty inspiring. So, um, yeah, I have some neat people lined out to come on. Um, I'm excited to do some more solo podcasts once I get home, too. Excited to quit traveling so damn much. But um, thank you all so much for tuning in. And... Uh, God bless you. We'll we'll talk to you again soon.